Hello, my name is Daniel Buchan, and I've been a member of Phi Mu Alpha Sinfonia since fall of 2014, when I crossed at my home chapter at Rotaw in Appalachian State University in beautiful Boone, North Carolina. I'm currently here with my brothers at the Province 20 Winter Council, reconnecting and just having an amazing time filled with music making and brotherhood. I'm currently based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I am a master's student in music education and where I'm also a part of the IOTA Phi chapter of Phi Alpha Sinfonia. I'm an active composer and arranger and I'm constantly looking for new and exciting projects to take on, ranging from anything from solo piano to full orchestra to educational band pieces. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Sinfonicast. Good day, fellow Symphonians of the internet. My name is Ryan Smith, and this is SymphonyCast, where we talk to manly musicians to discuss how they are musicianly men. We're going to keep this intro short because of the special guest we have on here. It was a pretty great interview. We cover a lot of topics, so I want to make sure you take the time to listen to the whole interview. First, though, I wanted to give a shout out to Province 3, which is all of Ohio, except for Northwest Ohio, for having an excellent province workshop yesterday. It was at Ropi at Ohio Northern University, and they had a pretty good turnout. There were lots of great activities outside of the business part of meeting, and I really appreciated how transparent their current CPR, Mahmoud Syed, and their deputy province governor, Jazz Bloom, were. Ropai did an excellent, and I truly mean excellent job of helping to make the program for this event. My favorite part was if you registered, you could say if you would like to be in the instrumental ensemble or chorale ensemble. They had a split into those two groups to rehearse music for a bit over an hour, and then we had the two groups play for each other, with the other one being the audience. That was a ton of fun, and I learned some new music from the songbook that way. I also wanted to say I love how involved the Central Ohio Alumni Association, I think that's their title, sorry if I got it wrong, is with Province 3. Overall, fantastic workshop, great writ put on by Ropi, and I hope I can go to next year's at, in Province 3. Also, I have a decent amount of vacation time, so if y'all would like me to go to your workshop this semester or the fall semester, send a message my way and I would love a chance to see more provinces across the country. I can give a presentation that I did when I was CPR and I'd love a chance to be able to interview brothers in person. So whatever works, I just want to be there and experience what you guys have to offer to this fraternity. Also, quickly wanted to say thank you for all the support last week when I announced my cease and desist letter from the COS. I have not heard anything from the Commission on Standards yet, but I really appreciated the brothers that reached out and the kind words you had. It's guys like you that keep me inspired to continue making this podcast, and I really appreciate all you guys do. Okay, that's enough speaking, so let's get to our special guests. I recorded this on Thanksgiving Day last year, two days before the special meeting. Some of the information may be old, but just imagine that you went back in time to before the meeting, so November 28th. Today, I have the newly reappointed province governor of Province 2, Dave Friday. We talk about a wide range of subjects, whether it's his origin in Sinfonia, the Mu Alpha incident, which you're going to want to hear about, or what brothers can do to encourage activity between chapters. Without further ado, here's Dave Friday. So, Dave Friday. I'm Dave Friday. Hi, Dave Friday. (laughs) Now, where did that start, the whole I'm Dave Friday thing? So, we're going to head back to, um, let's say, the the mid-aughts, since we just heard that one recently. 
um, I was gaining a bit of notoriety within the province um, about having, you know, the most amazing last name in the world. Um, and I would have a lot of guys that were coming up to me being like, hi, Day Friday. And I didn't want to be that awkward guy being like, hey, you. <laughs> um, so my, my typical response just sort of became, hey, I'm Day Friday. And eventually it got to the point where I would use that as a greeting and people would respond as you just did just now. So <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty cool. So we're here the day before we're about to head to Evansville. Mm. How are you feeling? Um, honestly, I'm pretty calm about the whole situation. Um, feeling pretty good. Um, this has been a rather trying five months and I know for a lot of people this is going to be a very big event uh, for some people it's going to be their defining moment as a Sinfonian um, I think that there has been a lot of hearsay and speculation and, and horrible things surrounding this situation and I know that for a lot of people um, this event is going to be pretty cathartic um, cathartic? It's, I mean, the the proverbial band aid has to come off, and it's not going to come off easily. It's gonna it's gonna take um, blood and hair and all sorts of things with it. But ultimately, it is going to be a relief to be able to rip that band aid off. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of nervous, honestly, because. As we were even talking about earlier, uh, there's whatever happens here can very much set like partly precedent as well as what's going to be Find Me Alpha in the future. It's very true. I mean, an event like this is absolutely unprecedented, but we've also seen um, we've also seen some pretty unprecedented events that got us to this point. Now, just for a little bit of background for people that aren't listening, as we already mentioned, he's Day Friday. I'm Day Friday. Hi, Day Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a little bit about you. So first of all, you were former province governor of Province 2. Indeed. But there's a lot more that's going to go into that. Um, so for those that are unfamiliar with my Sinfonia journey, I was initiated into the Beta Iota chapter in... Uh, Province 2, Albion College, Albion, Michigan, on uh, Friday, February 15th, 2002. Basically, ever since my initiation, I don't think that there has been more than maybe a couple month span of time where I have not been involved in some way in Province 2. So within a couple weeks of my initiation, um, I was elected to be the music director of the chapter since I was the only person within the chapter that used piano as their primary instrument so they said hey you can play the piano so lead our song rehearsals and I was like guys I'm a probationary member and they were like come on you can do it I was like okay then I got initiated and made music director so that was pretty cool um the following academic year I was um elected president of the chapter which was just a thrilling time for me to say the least um, I graduated from Albion in 2004 and started my graduate work at Michigan State University, which has a chapter, Gamma Epsilon chapter. During my first semester at Michigan State, I attended a couple business meetings. I was urged by Brother Dave Buellman, Papa Goose, to attend the meetings and see how things were going at the chapter, and I wound up being a collegiate brother during my time there. They had already done elections by the time I had transferred there, so... Um, I was just sort of a member at large, but the following year, my second year at Michigan State, I was elected to positions of both vice president as well as fraternal choral director. So um, during my time, I tried to get us out and doing more things. We serenaded a couple sorority houses, which was very common for us back at Albion when the sorority houses didn't have, you know, hundreds of people in them. Then we did it at Michigan State, and apparently that was not something that was generally done. Um, it was it was great to get out there and, and see more of the campus than just what was going on inside of the School of Music, though. 
Um, I graduated in 2006 with a master's degree in mathematics. Um, however, I had also just taken office as CPR of Province 2. So um, during the 0607 academic year, I served as Province 2's CPR. I had just started working at Grand Rapids Community College. Um, then Governor Mark Stice um, asked me to meet this guy by the name of Chris Reed, who had just been initiated at the Alma chapter, EOTA Alpha. And uh, well, he had just transferred to Grand Valley State University, he said, will you go help this guy try to start a chapter? I said, absolutely, I will. Um, the night that I met Chris Reed, <laughs> without a doubt, changed both of our lives for the better. I can honestly say that I met my best friend that night. Um, <clears throat> also, there was a lot of snow, so I, I think that the, the treacherous nature of the, the, the roads put me in an emotionally vulnerable state, so that probably helped. Um, so during my time as CPR, I was helping Chris start this chapter. Um, a couple years later, on April 18th, 2009, we were able to install the Rosei chapter at Grand Valley State University. Um, by that point in time, I wanted to continue to support the chapter, so I agreed to go collegiate there for their first year of existence. Um, they made me fraternal education officer for my first semester with uh, Eric Baumgarten as my AFEO. Then the second semester, we reversed our position so that he would be FEO and I would be AFEO to sort of make sure that the chapter was going to be sustainable and be able to thrive even without mining Chris's influence. For the record, Chris did like like 70% of the work for all of this, and I just kind of showed up and, and helped out wherever I could. He was actually a student there, and I was still in the process of um, commuting during my first year. So um, <clears throat> around that point in time, I don't remember exactly when it took place, but um, I was approached by the province uh, asking if I was interested in an officer position in the form of assistant province alumni coordinator. Now, being the hilarious 20-something that I thought I was, <laughs> I immediately created myself a Gmail account for this. And y'all are welcome to test this out. Um, it's aspac2 at gmail.com. You that, just opened up a can of worms right there. You're I absolutely did. a whole did. bunch of emails. I now. cannot wait. I remember as soon as that was announced during a province meeting, I had a new email within like five minutes. It was from <laughs> it was from Ben Woodcock of the uh, Gamma Epsilon chapter. He sent me an email and said, "Is this for real?" <laughs> I read that email. I got his attention from across the room at our province event, and I was like, "Yes, yes, this is real." <laughs> I still don't think he fully believes it, but whatever, it's all good. <laughs> um. So I I spent some time as the assistant province alumni coordinator. Um. I was only collegiate at Rosei for that one academic year, the 2009 and 2010 academic year. Um, at that point, the province started going through some changes. Um, actually, come to think of it, I may have gotten the timeline off a little bit because I'm pretty sure that it was 2009 that Jamal Duncan took over as province governor, Kyle Kays took over as deputy governor, and so they asked me to fill in as province alumni coordinator. So just shifting the chains a little bit yes yes um we'll call that one a uh false start penalty let's take it back one academic year <laughs> um then uh fast forward another couple of years jamal finished a phd at michigan state university and took a job working with the university of arkansas razorbacks go razorbacks apparently down in province four um so they asked Kyle to step in as the province governor. And for his first year, he was province governor without a deputy. Hmm. Then he went to uh, PG Convo that year and said, yeah, it's just me looking after my 11 chapters right now. Or no, uh, sorry, 10 chapters and one interest group at that point in time. Uh, I got a call within a couple weeks from John Mangiovi that said, hey, we hear Kyle is working really, really hard. Do you want to help him out as his deputy province governor? And I was like, absolutely, I want to do that. So at our preliminary province meeting in the 13-14 academic year, I was installed as deputy province governor, and Dwayne Brijak from the Epsilon chapter took over as the province alumni coordinator. Um, 
Kyle and I, for the record, I, I absolutely love Kyle Kays. He is one of the reasons that I keep doing what I do. Kyle was my FEO, and he instilled within me um, a lot of love for this organization. There's another thing that he and I spent a lot of time doing that uh, maybe we'll get to later in the podcast during our time <laughs> at Albion together. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, indeed. So Kyle was working retail for Apple at that point in time. And if we fast forward a couple years, um, he had been applying for an internship, which took him out to Sacramento. The internship eventually became a job, and he and his lovely wife, Amy, wound up moving out to Sacramento. All for that fruit company. Yeah, just some random fruit company, Apple. Like. <laughs> I hear they're just a startup at this point. I, I, I wish Apple nothing but success in the future, but seriously, putting that much stock in a, in a fruit? Come on, guys. Like, throw some bananas in there. Throw some, throw some watermelons in there. Apparently, us mathematicians, we always got to have like nine watermelons at hand <laughs> at all times. So when his internship became a, per, a permanent job, he was talking with me about potentially taking over as province governor. He had been talking with Mark Lichtenberg about it. So among me and Kyle and Chris Reed and Mark Lichtenberg, we kind of all came to an agreement that if Kyle was going to step down as province governor, that I would step up on the condition that Chris Reed is appointed my deputy province governor, <clears throat> which happened. Uh, Chris spent a little stint on the COS from 2009 to 2012, and I have always appreciated the guidance that he has brought with regard to risk management. Um, so in fall of 2017, Chris and I took over as governor and deputy governor and proceeded to what we thought did a pretty good job until June 27th of 2019 at which point we fell victim to the um, events of that day. As you mentioned, the former province governor, Kyle Case, was your FEO and mentor, or... He, yeah, was, I, he was absolutely a mentor. Yeah. How, how else, or how did he shape your Symphonian experience during your undergraduate years as a collegiate brother? So we started with a probationary class of 17, by the time we got to our initiation ritual, we were down to 10. And I don't lament the fact that we lost seven of the guys. Rather, I'm proud to be able to say that those 10 guys that did survive were aware of the standards to which we should be holding ourselves as Symphonians. I think that the other seven guys, and, and for the record, when you're in a probationary process, that's exactly what it is. You are trying to see if you, the probationary member, and you, the organization, are going to work well together. If you do work well, great. Follow it through to your initiation ritual. If there is some sort of disconnect or if you feel as it's uh, too big a responsibility, that's fine. Take a step back and reevaluate what your priorities are. So in, in making it to my own initiation, Kyle was able to communicate to the eight collegiate brothers and two faculty members that this is a responsibility that we can only take out of this organization what we put into it. And that um, <clears throat> I had a follow-up for that, and it just, it just flew right out of my head. <laughs> we can only take out what we put in, and overall both the organization and the individual are going to be better for it. And you, I guess, I don't know what's the best way to put it, but like, for example, when he was PAC, you were ASPAC, and it just kept on going up. How after, after you graduated, once you started serving as ASPAC and so on, how else has he helped during that process? I'm just curious. Well, aside from the role of collegiate province representative, he well, he was my immediate predecessor in all of the positions that I went through. And so I went into those positions knowing that I needed to bring my own personal thing with it, but I should also live up to the standard that he has set before me. So when he stopped being PAC, I started being PAC. When he stopped being DPG, I became DPG the next year 
when he stopped being PG, I started being PG. So it's, it's almost as if I've been living in his shadow, but while I was living in his shadow, I was also taking notes. Now, I want to talk about what experience in particular when you were CPR. Oh, boy. All I got to say is Mu Alpha. That actually took place several years before I, I was CPR. I thought you were CPR at that I point. Was, uh, so my CPR term was the 2006-2007 academic year. Um, the other thing to which you are so delightfully dancing around is uh, the formation of the chapter of Mu Alpha at Hillsdale College. Um, pardon me for one second while I take a drink of water to clear my head. <laughs> Fantastic water. Tastes delicious. <clears throat> so this was in the 2003-2004 academic year. Actually, let me go back a little bit further. Um, my first province event that I attended was Province Musicale at... Bowling Green State University, Yoda Omicron chapter in Bowling Green, Ohio. At that point in time, it was on a Saturday in a fall semester, and so our chapter of primarily marching band people was thoroughly unable to attend. Um, I was the only officer that was able to attend as music director, so I was kind of thrown in headfirst to what was going on there. So myself and Josh Hodges, we, uh, we drove down to Bowling Green, got stuck in a situation where we didn't really know anybody. What I remember most about that was during the chapter report of the new Upsilon chapter at Hillsdale College, they expressed some frustrations. Frustrations about communication between the national organization and the individual chapter, as well as lack of... Uh, sort of, they weren't really getting anything out of the province experience. And to be quite frank... Um, geographically speaking, they're not at a great place in our province to get frequent visitors. They're actually, really. well, the next closest chapter was Albion College. So no surprise when Albion was involved with the thing that we're going to talk about real soon. So I went over and I talked with the, I believe he was president at that point in time, Judson. Um, and I said, you know, Albion is a really small school, similar in size to Hillsdale. Um, not knowing anything about the differences and ideologies between the two schools at that point in time. I just assumed that the frustrations were based off of um, size of the school. Well, come to find out after the fact that Judson, as well as many other guys at the new Upsilon chapter, had already gone on to create what they were referring to as Mu Alpha, which has literally nothing to do with Phi Mu Alpha, in the sense that they weren't feeling particularly good about the national fraternity um, experience that they were having. So the Commission on Standards got word of what was going on and did an on-site investigation. The two people that were present were the, uh, I believe his title was executive director at that point in time, but Ryan Ripperton, as well as our then province governor, uh, Jeff Sperry. We're now in the 0304 academic year. So the two of them had flown into Lansing and drove down to Hillsdale. When they arrived at Hillsdale, of the approximately 20 brothers that were there, they expelled all but two of the brothers. Woo. Woo lad. Woo lad indeed. So on their way back to Lansing, they passed through this small town of Albion, and said, hey, we'd like to meet with as many representatives of the chapter as possible. So we did our best to gather the troops, and during my senior year at Albion as chapter president, in the living room across the way, which happened to be the living room of Kyle Kays and his roommates, um, we had province governor and former chair of the Commission on Standards, Jeff Sperry, and executive director Ryan T. Ripperton. The T is for the... Ryan the Ripperton. It's actually for Travis, but the Ripperton just sounds so much better. And a bunch of wide-eyed little kids that were looking up at these two guys like they were just all that is holy in this Whoa. world. I mean, it's 
it's understandable that, you know, you learn about these names and put them on this thing called the national exam and then you meet them and you wind up a little bit starstruck. I think that it still happens nowadays, oh, but yeah, in the definitely. days before social media, holy cow, that was really something like, I never thought that I would meet this person. So they went on to tell us that they had expelled all but two of the brothers who still believed in the cause of FIMU Alpha. These two guys were both seniors and had both never been in an officer position. So Brother Sperry, Brother Ripperton, they came to us at the Beta Iota chapter and they, they said, so if these guys don't put together a rush class, the new Upsilon chapter will effectively die at Hillsdale College. It will go inactive. Can you, as the next closest chapter, do things to help support their cause? And me, being a guy who was definitely more of a, yeah, I'll absolutely do that. I said, absolutely, let's do that. So I would say that the people that went down there to help out the most frequently were probably myself, Kyle Kays, and Steve Courtright. Steve Courtright at that point in time, I believe, was serving as our province council representative. But the previous year, he had been vice president. Kyle was at that point warden, though he had previously been FEO. However, a lot of the collegiate brothers from the Beta Yoda chapter helped out whenever possible. We went down and helped with ceremonies, with recruitment, and then ultimately with the ritual. The two guys that were left down there were Andrew D'Alvare, we called him Prospect, and Will Farnham. We called him Will Farnham. <laughs> Wonderful, creative. Yes, the two guys had incredibly opposite personalities, which made them work incredibly effectively together. So of all of the guys that we could have gotten to help sustain the new Upsilon chapter, I'm really glad that it was those two guys. So through a painstaking process of driving down to Hillsdale, which became a very easy drive after doing it as many times as we did, we were able to initiate three guys and the night that it took place happened to be the night before my 21st birthday. So all in all, that was a pretty special time, especially because the ceremony took us after midnight to complete. And so that is how I started my 21st birthday. Hell yeah. It was pretty awesome. So we initiated three new guys uh, Will and Prospect both graduated, and then one of the guys decided to transfer. So now we're back down to a chapter of two guys. So can we do the math here in a way? So that gives us a, the same as before. Unfortunately, it did. And unfortunately, I had graduated from Albion and moved on to Michigan State, meaning that... Uh, what used to be a 35-minute drive to get down there is now looking more like an hour 10, hour 15 to get down there. Oof. So I still did my best to advocate for the chapter as well as I could, but I couldn't get down there as frequently. Also, I'm not sure if anybody is aware of um, how demanding the schedule is when you're a graduate student who has uh, foolishly decided to go collegiate at a chapter. <laughs> Oof. So I was, uh, I was really enjoying having lots and lots of spare time in which to hone my craft. That was all lies just now. Regardless, um, the two guys that were remaining there were now, I believe, both sophomores. So they didn't have quite the same timeline that Will and Prospect did, meaning that there was a lot more hope for the chapter. However, when it came to things like ceremonies and initiations, they were still relying very heavily on influence from the province. Uh, I mentioned the name Dave Buhlman a little bit earlier, and he would occasionally get asked to fulfill a certain role, in which case he would say, if I can get a pack of smokes and a writ book, I'll be fine by the time we get there. <laughs> Fantastic times. So yeah, that, um, that little piece of Symphonia history is what I lovingly refer to as the Mu Alpha debacle. Um, I'm not thrilled that it took place. Um, however, during an official visit at the new Upsilon chapter, I mentioned to them that I wanted to sit down with any um, representatives from other Greek music organizations on their campus. 
And so I was able to sit down with the president of both their chapter of SAI as well as the president of their chapter of Mu Alpha. Ooh. We had a nice interview. We kept it very civil despite my years of feelings toward them. <laughs> and I was able to talk with their faculty advisor, uh, Dr. Holloman, about both organizations since he was faculty advisor for both. Wait, really? Phi Mu Alpha as well as Mu Alpha. What? Now, Dr. Holloman is a Sinfonian, initiated Gamma Epsilon, Michigan State, um, and has, this is, this is kind of awkward, but he, he said that he had observed a Mu Alpha ritual without participating in it, which sounds fishy at best to me, but I'm not going to question it. Mm-hmm. Rather, I am going to say that during our interview together, he did mention that having both of the organizations created a healthy level of competition within the music department. Now, Hillsdale is a very small school, and they don't recruit a lot of music majors, so they do rely pretty heavily on the non-majors to assist with the department. Yeah. Both Phi Mu Alpha and Mu Alpha have been sort of safe havens for the non-majors within the department. And that healthy level of competition has brought a lot of attention to the music department. So even though they don't get a lot of majors, they still get a lot of focus on their music department, which overall I see as carrying out the mission of FIMU Alpha to advance music in America. How... I, I, the first question I want to start with is, how is Mu Alpha still allowed to run? Like, because this is based off of the property of Phi Mu Alpha. So, what used to be the Phi Mu Alpha house is now the Mu Alpha house. And if you take a look at the sign in front of their house, it does say established 2001. Now, I mentioned that these guys were still at province events in 2002 which makes the timeline look kind of questionable. However, the COS did react the way that they did when they had the information that they had. Now, <clears throat> with that in mind, they, we, we did consider pursuing legal action against them. However, to do that is not only incredibly unbrotherly, but it's the, the question becomes, is it really worth it? Yeah. Um, the decision that was made, from my understanding, from, I believe, a combination of the Commission on Standards and our national staff at that point in time, is that as long as they stay isolated to Hillsdale's campus, they will remain isolated to Hillsdale's campus. That if they decide to create a second chapter, or like we say on our national exam, become a national fraternity. A beta chapter. A beta chapter. Then we would consider legal action against them. I see. During that whole debacle, what were like your key takeaways? As in, what did you learn during that time? What I learned in that time is that province interaction is a pretty amazing thing. That growing up in the Albion chapter, I really was growing up in just a little bubble. And that getting out to a province event and getting out to visit this chapter were some of the most heartening experiences of my Sinfonia or my, my time in Sinfonia. Um, it really gave me a passion for realizing that this is not a chapter experience. This is a national organization and that we can only take out of the national organization what we are willing to put in. So after that experience, I started going to other chapters Chapter visits led to me running for CPR. Me running for CPR gave me the confidence to go to the uh, national convention in 2006. Um, the CPR before me, John Phillips, signed me up for some voluntary duties when I was at the 06 national convention. That was where I got to meet uh, Larry Coonfair and Michael Morrow, since we were all tellers together. It was, it was, it was really something special. I want to fast forward a little bit sure. uh, to your time as both deputy and 
province governors of DPG and PG. Uh, because I, I want to talk specifically about what the province governor does. What are some things that people don't really think about that haven't had the position before when it comes to province governor? I think the province governor position is quite well defined within our national constitution and bylaws. The training that we get from the province governor's council is very fulfilling and gives us an idea of what we can expect in our position. However, I would dare say that the advice that I would give province governors is probably the same advice that I would give to a chapter president. There is nothing that I can say today that will prepare you for 100% of your experiences in your position. You will have to improvise. You will have to make some decisions that you believe are best for everybody involved. I would say some of the best conversations that I've had with brothers are when they are seemingly the most vulnerable. I have had conversations with people with entire e-boards at 1230 in the morning because they are just at a loss for what to do about a situation within their chapter. It's important for DPGs and PGs to remind our collegiate brothers of the bigger goals that we have. It's so easy to get stuck at the chapter level with your chapter business meetings that you have on a week-to-week -week basis. I would say the role of the province governor is to act as both a mediator as well as a safety net. To say, when your Symphonia world is falling apart all around you, I'm still here. I'm still here and I've got your back and I'm here to help support you and pull you through this. We talked a little bit about this earlier, uh, just to kind of go back on who a bright, brighter note as well is, what are some things over the past couple of years that you would say that would only happen in Phi Mu Alpha? Um, I would say when the 2006 convention in Cleveland got nicknamed the Cleveland Steamer. The Cleveland Steamer? So I don't know if you know this about most Symphonians, but a lot of us are men of... Mm, stature, let's say. <laughs> when you take a bunch of men of stature and you throw them all in the same suits that they're going to wear for four straight days <laughs> in a room that doesn't have a whole lot of AC, it's going to get a little bit mm, fragrant, a little bit funky, both in jazz and odor. But yeah, because of that um, vague smell as well as odor. Yeah, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, I, I, I don't remember. There, there, a bunch of joke things are made at the end of it. Uh, you know, whereas, blah de blah de blah and whereas, blah de blah uh, be it henceforth that the 2006 National Convention be renamed the Cleveland Steamer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I see it. Yeah. As far as other only in Symphonia kind of stuff, um, the alterations that we do to certain of our songs just is fantastic. Like, I can't hear Viva L'Amour anymore without hearing the SpongeBob version of yes. that. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, man. The first time I heard that, I'm pretty sure it broke me a little bit. <laughs> Just honestly, yeah, Find Me Alpha is filled with a lot of those experiences, like the dirty bathroom selfie in oh, Province yeah. 2. Well, not just Province 2, Ryan. You took it to a, a national level when you got one down at Lyrecrest and got one with our national collegiate representative, Jiren Joseph. Like, I, I hope that this spreads like wildfire. I hope everybody starts doing this. It's just a, it's a dumb little thing to do. It shows people where you're at, mm -hmm. and it's kind of comical. That's why I like it. And shout out to Tyler Norris of the Epsilon Alpha chapter that kind of started doing it. So, yeah. 
but <laughs> as far as for the national fraternity besides your first interaction with them i guess back in kyle's dorm or apartment wherever it was kyle's apartment yeah yeah kyle's apartment besides that what uh was like your first interaction with brothers of the national fraternity or outside of the province really so during the 0405 academic year um we were allowed one visit from a um a, a prominent figure within Symphonia. It's still something that we do, which is why Jiren's been able to make it to so many provinces. Yes. Um, which is awesome, for the record. Um, 0405 academic year. In February of 2005, uh, Rich Crosby came to visit us in Province 2. And I think one of the most terrifying experiences that I've had as a Symphonian was when we opened up the Red Book to a piece that I had never played before and somebody suggested, oh, Dave, you know, you should play piano for this. Mm -hmm. And for those who are unaware, Dr. Rich Crosby <laughs> is a professor of piano at Eastern Kentucky University. So they're taking this graduate student in math and saying, hey, play this piano piece that you have never read before in front of this professor of piano who is a very prominent figure within Symphonia. I believe at that point he was serving one of his stints as national president, which is why he yes. was visiting us. Yeah. And I was like, or, or, bear with me, guys, or we could take this professor of piano from Eastern Kentucky <laughs> University and ask him to play the piano for us. Wouldn't that be a treat? What? <laughs> So what happened? Oh, he played the piece, and it was it was beautiful and nearly moved me to tears. He's he's a very, very talented man. Definitely. And, well, what about your first national convention? How can you picture that? 06 National Convention as In a 23-year-old. I'm, I'm going to refer to that kid as a boy. <laughs> Because, boy, he had no idea what he was getting himself into. Boy. Um, so I stayed in a hotel room with three other guys from Province 2. When I got to convention, I had paid for my registration. I had not paid for my hotel room, nor did I have any meals paid for except for what was provided by the convention. Mm -hmm. And I had no money. And that was probably the most terrifying thing. However, this was 2006, and the moneymaker effect was still in effect from the World Series of Poker. And so I heard that there was going to be a poker room. Wait, <laughs> what? And I said, well, I really like playing cards, and I'm a mathematician, so I'm going to show up at this poker room. That was the first time. Well, I, maybe not the first time, but that was, that was a, a good, solid interaction that I had with John Ceriso. So I showed up to Brother Ceriso's uh, hotel room. For the record, he was a lawyer in Vegas at that point in time. Oh, God. And when his clients made oopsies, he made a lot of money. <laughs> and he was incredibly generous with said money. I sat through, I'm going to say, like three or four nights of the most intense poker sessions that I have ever played. Now, I, I didn't even have a buy-in on the first night. And so John looked me up and down. He said, you're cute. I'll let you in for credit for 20 bucks, and if you can't pay me back, we'll work something out. Oh, boy. So 23-year-old me was convinced that he was playing for his, um, well, a certain level of virginity. So <laughs> I decided to play as well as I could, and I remember walking away from that first night thinking, man, I am the greatest poker player in the world with like $120 in my pocket. <laughs> Went back the next night, made about 60 bucks, bought pizza for everybody during the session, came oh back the gosh. next night, made like 200 bucks. I swear, I thought I was the most talented person. <laughs> I was thinking about dropping out of grad school, going to Vegas and just making a career out of this. In hindsight, I'm able to look back and realize that Brother Ceriso saw a brother in need and said, you know... One of my clients makes a mistake. I make thousands of dollars. I'll bet a couple hundred dollars would really help this kid, this boy, out of a situation. And so I'm not saying that he was intentionally throwing poker hands, but he started playing incredibly intelligently to make sure 
that when I left his room, I had a couple extra bucks in my pocket. Because of his generosity, I was able to pay for my hotel for the entire week, pay for food, pay for some transportation, pay for gas to get back to East Lansing. Like, I don't, I honestly don't know what I would have done without that. Now, with that said, legislative sessions tended to start at about 8, 8.30, 9 in the morning. And I don't think there was a single morning I was there on time <laughs> because I was up until 3 or 4 in the morning every night playing poker and uh, staying hydrated with lots of drinks. Yes, of course. Of course. So <laughs> I remember many, many angry cell phone messages from, my, <laughs> from Mark Stice at that point in time. Dave. Get down here. We're about to start. We need you. Those that that was that was quite some time. So now, wait, you were tardy as CPR? No, 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 no. I was not CPR at that oh, point in time. Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> That's what I was like. Wait, hold up a minute. No, I was I was volunteering as a teller at that point in time. Okay. So I was one of the guys to help tally the votes. I gotta say, watching those guys in session was fascinating. How so? Well, I had never been on a been in on a legislative session of that magnitude before, seeing um, thirty eight or thirty nine provinces represented. You know, two representatives there. I got to see Rich Crosby in charge of the meeting. I got to see the other people from his national executive committee sitting up front, and I was sitting up front with them. That was that was quite an experience looking from the front out on all of those delegates. There were names out there that I was learning for the first time, but I was going to go on to remember for the future. Um, province governor of five was Mark Lichtenberg. There was this, this gigantic man in front of me by the name of Ashley Glenn, who hey. nowadays, nowadays makes his residence in province two as a visiting professor over at Grand Valley State University. Go Lakers. Uh, Binson's Garcia, um, just John Monjovi, just so many names and faces and experiences that I had while I was out there. And it was just fascinating because I knew so many of those names on paper. And then when they actually became people, it, it's just such a, a different experience interacting with names on paper and interacting with faces in, in person. It's, it's, there's no comparison. How have you seen FIMU Alpha change since you were initiated, even if it's something as simple as the chapter level, to now? What were some big changes you have seen or shifts? Is the, a better way to put it? The fraternity, I think, overall is becoming younger. Younger? Younger. Um. What I'm seeing, especially within the last, say, five years or so, is that a lot of the guys, especially within the governors, a lot of the older guys are stepping down and they're being replaced with um, up-and-comers, if you will. Yeah. I remember when Mark sent out the letter that, was, uh, that declared me as the new province governor of two, there were also four new deputy province governors, and I was shocked to see that I was the oldest name on that list by at least four years. I think everybody else was initiated 06 or wow. more recently. Wow, okay. So it was it was shocking to me that at age 34 that I was one of the older boys. So that was, that was intriguing to me. Um, looking back, or, or even taking a look at the, the current iteration of our National Executive Committee, um, we we just seem younger overall, and I, I I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Uh, when you take a look at the, the the portraits of all of the national presidents that we've had in the basement of Liarcrest, what you generally see is a bunch of old white dudes. Yeah, and that's that's definitely not what I've been experiencing recently. Not just in our national presidents, but within our national executive committee, within the province governor's council. Um, obviously, the CPRs just keep getting younger every single year. <laughs> well, maybe I'm getting older. Who knows? But um, 
honestly, it's it's refreshing to see. I, I don't really feel like one of the older boys, but then I realize that these things that I'm referencing back to, even in our conversation now, my time as a collegiate brother was essentially up 13 years ago, despite the one extra year that I did with Rosai finishing in 2010. Hell, 2010 was practically a decade ago. Well, yeah, give it like another month. I mean, I think of a decade ago, I'm like, oh yeah, mid-90s. <laughs> no, wait, no. No, no, the year is 2019, and then math happens. I want to, I guess, ask something a bit more serious. So, as you said, you were removed from province governor on June 27th. Indeed. What have you been doing for Find Me Office since then? You kind of mentioned you, you know, you're not province governor. So, what have you been able to do? It's true. I am not province governor. So, um, there have been some frustrating things. Um, I'm not able to use any of the officer tools on my Symphonia anymore. <laughs> I'm not able to perform official visits, despite the fact that I had many of them already scheduled. Oh, um, ouch. Indeed. However, I have still performed many of the duties, despite the fact that I don't have a title anymore. How so? Uh, I still visit chapters whenever I'm able to do so. I'm not allowed to file for reimbursement for those, so that's money that's coming out of my own pocket. Um, the province has been exceptionally supportive of me despite my removal. Um, I have attended rituals uh, recently at the New Pi chapter at Central Michigan, the Epsilon Alpha chapter at University of Toledo. Um, I've attended both of our province events that we've had, both Fall Brawl as well as our province workshop. I hosted the uh, annual leadership retreat that we do at my institution, Macomb Community College. We had great attendance for that, by the way. We had fantastic attendance. This was the first time that we invited our province council representatives to join us, and we had a grand grand time. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of information got divulged despite the fact that I couldn't demonstrate any of the officer tools to our chapter presidents. Can a brother get a womp womp? Rip. All right. Close young, enough. Young people. <laughs> so I am still acting as a resource. I Just because I don't have a title doesn't mean that I can't assist the brothers with my 17 years of experience as a Symphonian. Um, but at times it is very frustrating to know that I have been working my tail off as I have just to have been removed from the office. Um, I never really got a full explanation as to what I personally did wrong. Uh, rather than focusing on specifics, Brother Lichtenberg has been very blanketed in his statements. Um, I feel as though he is setting up a certain level of dissociation with the, with the brothers at large, just in the sense that I'm not going to answer individual questions. I'm going to answer blanketed statements, and you should be able to find your answer within there. Yeah. I know, Ryan, that you as our CPR have expressed some frustration about the timeliness with which you get your responses from Brother Lichtenberg. Um, it's, it's been frustrating. Let's say, or assuming the best happens, whether it's this meeting or whatever, we don't need to go into specifics. Where do you see Find Me Office future once we're able to start picking up the pieces? Well, short term and cynically, I see Find Me Alpha's future in a courtroom. Yeah. That's a very, very negative take to have. Honestly, in the best case scenario, I do see us picking up the pieces and I do see us starting to be a little more introspective about who our duly elected leaders are. I want collegiate brothers to be more vocal about what their expectations are for their leaders. Leadership is not supposed to be a one-way street. It's not supposed to be do exactly as I say. It's supposed to be about communication. What are your expectations of me and what are my expectations of you? It's okay to have standards. It's okay to have expectations as long as they are within reason. 
I want our collegiate brothers to be the voice of this organization. Let's assume you end up being province governor once again. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. What direction would you like to see the province go in? Just specifically our province. Province 2, Lower Peninsula of Michigan, Northwest Ohio, for those not familiar. I want us to continue to do our, our province meetings. I want to continue to do official visits. I want to see more chapters without my guidance interacting with other chapters within the province. We have a couple pairs of chapters within the province where the next closest chapter is no more than a half hour drive. I don't see any reason why chapters like that shouldn't be interacting once a month. Think in Epsilon Alpha and Iota Omicron. Yeah. That's University of Toledo and Bowling Green. I'm thinking Nu Pi and Iota Alpha. That's Central Michigan University and Alma College. When I saw the Iota Alpha boys up at New Pies Rit a couple weekends ago, um, I asked them, you know, how was your drive up all 20 minutes of it? And they said, <laughs> hey, 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 that's not fair. It was 17 minutes. <laughs> I want to see Albion start interacting with the Gamma Epsilon chapter and the New Upsilon chapter and the Delta Yoda chapter and the Epsilon chapter, all of which are less than an hour drive away. I want brothers to realize that this organization is bigger than their chapter experience. I want them to have a province experience. I want them to have a national experience. I think that we had a really cool opportunity down in northern Indiana at IPFW a couple weekends ago. That was a really cool experience that was facilitated by Brother Fiddler. Yeah. I guess my question is, I guess for listeners as well as anyone... Why should chapters interact with each other to the extent that you would like them to see? Like, what benefits do they get out of it? I'm just asking. I believe in it, but I would like to hear your thoughts on it. I'm going to follow that up with, I think it's a metaphor, maybe it's a simile. I wasn't an English major. (laughs) Imagine that you have a collegiate experience where there are 20 different buildings on your campus. And you very consistently and only go to one building the entire time. You get to know every single person within that building. You get to know the faculty members. You get to know the fellow students. Uh, You get to know the staff members. You get to know the deans. Imagine that your only experience at that college with 20 different buildings is going into that one building and you have a very fulfilling and rewarding experience getting to know everybody in that one building have you truly gotten an education at that school not at the school but in that building well exactly now in the same sense you can't really get a true symphonia experience if you live in a province with five six eight eleven chapters And you consistently go to only that one chapter. In order to grow as a Sinfonian, you need to be aware that Sinfonia is bigger than your own chapter. Um, It's impossible to get an education about Sinfonia if the only education that you're doing is within, you know, the one building that you go to at the one campus, at the one college within your province. Now, that... I do say that from a place of privilege. I did mention that it is really easy for brothers in province two to be able to travel to another place. So I don't mean for that to come off as insensitive to places like province 35, where y'all got a big province (laughs) and and the population density is not really that conducive to visiting a lot of other chapters. What I'm saying is you don't have to go visit people every week. You don't have to go visit people every month. But it would be nice if during your Symphonia experience you get to interact with brothers outside of your own individual chapter. There's something that I refer to lovingly as the brotherly funk that you get into 
when the majority of your experiences with Symphonia are business meetings and song rehearsals. The best way to get out of the Symphonia funk is to not do just those two things. Like going to an e-board meeting, even though you're a non-member, going to visit another chapter, spending a night on the phone with a Symphonian that you met through uh, one of our social media outlets. Like there are tons of ways that you can get yourself out of the Symphonian funk, but you need to be proactive about it. You need to recognize that you're in the Symphonia funk before you can actually get yourself out of it. This is the last question I've asked everybody on this podcast. I really love to hear the response. It's a really simple one. Oh, boy. Why Symphonia? Why Symphonia for everybody or why Symphonia for me? However you want to take it. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to say why Symphonia for me. Do it. When I started college, I was 17 years old. I skipped second grade. I was incredibly immature. However, I grew up really, really fast when two weeks into my collegiate experience, my father passed away. The summer leading up to my freshman year at college, I got to visit him usually about three times a week in the hospital, which is where he wound up after he had a heart attack. They kept saying, you know, we're going to work on his rehabilitation. We're going to get him out of here. It's going to be great. Unfortunately, that didn't take place. So I found myself floundering a little bit during my first full academic year at Albion College. He passed away on a Sunday. I was back home to the Detroit area that evening. His wake was on a Monday. His funeral was on a Tuesday, and by Tuesday evening, I was back out to Albion. Didn't really have time to process. Didn't have time to grieve. Didn't even realize that the last time I saw him was the last time I saw him. I got back to Albion about 4.30 p.m., and I didn't really know what to do with myself. But then I realized that today was Tuesday. Orchestra rehearsal starts at 5, goes until 6.30. So I went for my dorm over in Wesley Hall to Goodrich Chapel. Got my instrument out, violin for the record, and went up onto the stage for rehearsal. As I was getting my violin out, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I looked up and it was Dr. Jim Ball. Dr. Ball said, David! Love that man. David! I wanted to talk to you about the fact that your dad passed away and I wanted to let you know that I lost my father last year and that if there's anything that I can do for you or anything, anything that you want to talk about, I want you to be aware that I'm here for you. I said, thanks, Dr. Ball. That means a lot. Now, I realize that Dr. Ball is one individual, but I also realize that I could have easily skipped that rehearsal and nobody would have questioned a thing. Albion is not a very big college. I'm pretty sure that most of the campus knew why I had been away for the last couple days. That gesture from Dr. Ball reminded me that there are good people, good men within this world, that you don't have to always rely on family. Rather, you can make your own should you need to. So Dr. Ball became a bit of a father figure for me during that year because of his willingness to reach out to me. Music has always been a big part of my life, but it has never been a passion. If you can believe it, math is actually my passion and music is my hobby. And I realize that saying that to a bunch of Symphonians probably doesn't make that much sense, but I'm willing to commit to it. During that first year when I was desperately trying to find male, not necessarily father figures, more like role models, I remember seeing a, a group of men that were dressed in suits that were going around singing to people. Specifically, they were doing serenades. I remember seeing how happy everyone around them was when they were sharing their gift of music with everybody else. I realized that the majority of the people that I had befriended, not necessarily people from my hall, but people that were in orchestra or in the marching band, 
that they were all wearing these Greek letters, Iota Mu Alpha. I, I realized sometime later that the capital Phi, I, I had just assumed, was Iota because there's an I and there's an O in it. I thought it made sense. Regardless, I got to know these guys and befriend these guys, and during my sophomore year, they decided to give me a bid. Now, the bid process is pretty special at, at Beta Iota Chapter. Again, Albion is a very small school, but the process was the chapter would get together in their suits, and they would go sing Hail Symphonia to guys and hand out bids and be on their way. I remember it was a very special experience for me because I was out for a run, and when I got back to my dorm... My roommate, Jason Kennedy, said, Hey, you got a bid. It's on your bed. <laughs> that was my introduction to Symphonia. An experience I will never forget. So why Symphonia? Because we are men of high ideals. Because we have a passion for music. Or a hobby of music. That's fine, too. And because we believe in each other. One of my favorite experiences as a Symphonian was attending my initiation ritual and hearing the name Dr. Jim Ball as one of my probationary classmates. That was and will always be a very special experience for me. So that's why Symphonia. Well, thank you once again for uh, being willing to take the time and talk for this, as well as uh, my term comes up in, on December 15th, and throughout that time, uh, whether it's during the state of emergency or not, you have always been someone I have looked up to as not only how to be a better Symphonian, but how to be a better man, so... I want to thank you for that, this whole experience, and I look forward to seeing where we can go from here. Thank you, Ryan. And that concludes this episode of SymphonyCast. Didn't I tell you this would be a great interview? Well, if you enjoyed it, please follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever your preferred audio platform is. You can even go a step further and share this with your fellow brothers so they can hear about the symphonia around them if you like the music you heard check out brother daniel buchan's music with his website in the description my name is ryan smith and this is symphony cast wishing all brothers good night